Good morning. In just a moment, I'm going to be in Romans chapter 12. You can be opening to Romans chapter 12. Two sermons today to cover one subject. I'll start this morning and the second part will be at five o'clock. The discipline of personal sacrifice. The discipline of personal sacrifice. Now, when we think of sacrifice in the Old Testament context, we think of the animal sacrifices of the law of Moses. We connect that to what we read, for example, in Leviticus chapter 1. In the New Testament, we may think of the cross of Christ, where his atoning blood was shed to make it possible for us to be forgiven, cleansed for righteousness, and be citizens in the kingdom of Christ. Reference Hebrews 9.28. There's another part of this subject that needs our attention, and I'm going to call that the discipline of personal sacrifice. Both of these sermons this morning and tonight will be filled with scripture directing us to this important truth, this responsibility, the discipline of personal sacrifice. Sacrifice means giving, surrendering, or relinquishing for a higher good. Sacrifice in the true sense of the concept is always unselfish. Under the law of Moses, you would raise an animal, you would invest in all the work in that process, then you would give that animal up to God as an offering on an altar. It was your offering to the one who is the perfect divine giver. And I want to point out, for those Israelites, the animal was never actually their property. Never actually their property. It was stewardship with the aim of giving back to God what God gave to them to take care of. In Psalms chapter 50, verses 10 through 12, God makes a very forceful claim of ownership that pertains to those animal sacrifices. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills, everything that moves in the field is mine. So, it wasn't that the Israelites owned their animals. They gave them to God in some noble act of merit for appeasement. No, God owned those animals. They raised them and then gave them back to God, the legitimate owner of those animals. Sacrifice means giving, surrendering, relinquishing without any claim of merit or any clinging claim of ownership. So, what we're talking about with the Bible open 
giving to God what he already owns. Giving to God what he already owns. That's me and that's you. We belong to God. He is the maker. He created us in his own image. So we're giving to God what he already owns and we're doing so hopefully with a full spirit of knowing his supreme worth and our place under his authority. Not animals on the Jewish altar. It is our time, our money, our minds, our bodies, our talent, our life given to God. That's what ought to be. We need to be clear that God is the sovereign owner of all we have that is good and right. We are stewards entrusted to use what we don't really own in ways that are comprehended in the Bible teaching about sacrifice and respect for the Creator. Now let's take those concepts and work that from Scripture into our minds and into our lives this morning and again this evening. The discipline of personal sacrifice. Consider first, it is the surrender of mind and body to the Creator, to God. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. <clears throat> there is another passage in Romans. I want to add to that. Romans six thirteen. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. The physical members of our body were made by God. They belong to God. And so the teaching in Romans is, use the members of your body as the Creator has directed for His purposes, which are captured by this word, righteousness. Sacrifice that is acceptable to God means we give ourselves to our owner and maker, inside and out, mind and body. Sacrifice that is acceptable to God means we give ourselves wholly to our owner, to the creator who made us inside and out, mind and body. And here we must remember that he is the owner 
we have him to thank for our existence. And gratitude to him is expressed in this sacrifice of mind and body for righteousness. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 39, whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I find my life by losing, surrendering any claims to ownership, not being possessive, but with acknowledgement of God's sovereign ownership. I offer myself to the Creator for the sake of the Savior, and I do that in a full way. You know, I cannot expect heaven without sacrifice of myself on earth to God. Now, someone might say, well, sure, I'll become a Christian. I can go to church every Sunday, maybe maybe Sunday morning, only a couple of hours, and, and I can drop a few dollars into the collection. Sure, I'll become a Christian. Well, that's not it. That's not the complete giving of oneself to the Father. That's not conversion. It is partial. It's incomplete. It is superficial. It's a vain effort to turn discipleship into occasional convenient activities that are isolated from the rest of your life. What's real is sacrifice of mind and body to the one who made mind and body. It is not about a few hours and a few dollars. It is the surrender or sacrifice of mind and body, acknowledging that your mind is God's, your body is God's, the words given by the Holy Spirit in Scripture are to guide your every use of mind and body. Paul said in Philippians 1.21, to live is Christ. And we sing this song, I am thine, O Lord. I have heard thy voice and it told thy love to me. So look at your life from the inside out. All of us need consistent, ongoing self-examination to ensure that we are giving all to Him who died for us. And we are thinking and living for righteousness. The willing surrender of mind and body to the one who created mind and body. We're talking about the discipline of personal sacrifice. Second, in the discipline of personal sacrifice, there is the ultimate devotion of love. All this that we are studying today about sacrifice has in it this love that is greater than earth-limited emotion. Love that is greater than earth limited emotion. John 15, 13, greater love has no man than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. We sometimes call this the ultimate 
sacrifice. With Jesus, these were words he illustrated on the cross, not just words in a speech. Well, of course, we cannot do exactly what he did in terms of the scope of salvation offered to all men. His sacrifice was singular, but the spirit of it, the motive behind it, the love that prompted the act, we should seek to cultivate those inner qualities. I think because of the circumstance being so rare, we give little thought to this. We calculate that we cannot foresee having to give our life for another. And so we give this only passing thought. However, to fully admire and cultivate <clears throat> the love of Jesus, we must internalize what he said and reflect on how devoted we are. Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. Now, this is not a show <coughs> that causes people to applaud and admire us at Heroes and get on the five o'clock news. This is a depth of love that never seeks its own because <coughs> love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. The discipline of personal sacrifice means having this love cultivating the love Christ illustrated and being ready, should it be necessary, to lay down our lives for our friends. What we're talking about this morning is truth from the pages of Scripture about the fullness and commitment of giving ourselves to the Lord. Giving to God what He owns sincerely and fully nurturing this greater love and surrendering our lives to Him in every way. The willing surrender of mind and body to the one who created mind and body and the firm devotion of this ultimate love, knowing that greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. Third, the discipline of personal sacrifice is anchored in humility. Philippians 2. What we're talking about is anchored in humility. If you had pride, arrogance, and elevated self-esteem before you came into the kingdom, you can't bring it with you. You give it up. Self-exaltation is crucified when you obey the gospel. And as you enter the kingdom, you seek to be anchored in humility. In Philippians 2, 1 to 5. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy 
by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Every passage in the New Testament that describes humility makes it clear that this is how God wants us to think and live. Every passage in the New Testament that describes humility makes it clear this is how God wants us to think and live. Humility is knowing who I am in the light of knowing who God is. I mean, I cannot have an accurate view of myself until I know and acknowledge the greatness of my Creator. Humility is knowing who I am in the light of knowing who God is. And further, when I have what the Bible defines as humility, God respects and honors that frame of mind. I was reading a book a few weeks ago and found a list of passages where it describes how God responds to humble people. I'm going to read a few of those to you. God teaches us dependence on Him, and a result is humility. God saves humble people. God takes notice of those who humble themselves before Him. God leads the humble and teaches them what is right. God hears the prayers of the humble, forgives them, and heals them. God gives grace to the humble. James 4 and verse 6, God exalts those who are humble. 1 Peter 5 and verse 6. Do you see, to cultivate personal discipline of sacrifice, humility must be present. It says in Psalms 51, 16 and 17, you do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise that. That means it isn't just sacrifice as some isolated ritual, but sacrifice that's product of a good heart. And then fourth. The discipline of personal sacrifice means going the extra mile. Matthew chapter 5, 38 through 42. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you, and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. One of the most disheartening behaviors or statements is when some something of value needs to be done. 
some good work and we take a couple of swipes at the task but do not complete it and we say, well, that'll do. That attitude betrays excellence. It reflects on our sense of responsibility and it leaves work for others to do. Minimal effort, only doing what is required or expected, then quickly walking away from an incomplete task, Jesus spoke of fullness of service. In fact, he spoke beyond technical fullness of service. Doing more than the minimum and never leaving something halfway done. When you have the capacity to do it and you do it right and you do it better the next time. An anonymous quote, there is no traffic jam on the extra mile. There is no traffic jam on the extra mile. God expects us to do our best, leave nothing undone that we're able to do. I think of the good Samaritan who could have done less than what he did and still would have been commended. He not only took pity, he treated his wounds, then provided transportation and took care of the man. That's the extra mile sacrifice. That is the difference between a good worker and an excellent worker. The extra mile sacrifice. The flippant attitude says, well, I've done a little to help and I've done enough. I'll go home now. I want to invite each one of you back at five when this study of personal sacrifice will continue. And I'll raise the question, what do I give up to serve the Lord? Along with that part of the study, there will be examples from Scripture to add to our knowledge. What is God calling you to give up? When you read your Bible and you digest the words and examine your whole life, what is God calling you in His Word to give up? More about that at 5 o'clock. Let's be standing as we sing.